0: listening to SBS on the money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi, everyone. It's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 19th of October, 2022. Later, what are micro caps saying about the economy? But first, how much pocket money should you pay your kids? Spriggy is a family finance startup. It has debit cards for children that parents can top up doing chores, and it found average weekly pocket money for seven-year-olds is $6.50 according to its app, for 11-year-olds $8.25 weekly, and for 14-year-olds $12.05. So what are the advantages of giving children pocket money, and what does its research say about who is getting it? For more, I spoke earlier with Spriggy product manager Alice Brennan. Alice, first of all, how do parents work out how much pocket money to pay kids? How much is too much and how much is too little?
1: So what parents have been telling us is that they're really calibrating to their individual kid. So some parents are telling us that the way that they figure it out is that they're giving their kid, like, just enough to kind of survive socially and have a little bit left over for savings. Um, But in terms of, like, what's too much and too little, Like generally what we hear and what we know is that if you give a kid so much money, they can buy everything they want. They're not going to learn the value of a dollar, but if you give them too little, then their savings goal is going to be so far away that they can't make meaningful progress towards it. So you really want to get that sweet spot of like, it's a meaningful amount of money, but it's not so much that you're like flooding their brains.
0: So can you give us an example then of the average some age groups are getting?
1: Sure. So one thing that we know is that um, parents tend to give kids a pay rise on their birthday. So we definitely see an increase as kids get older. Um, But I can tell you the average seven-year-old in Australia is earning $6.50 in pocket money every week. Uh, The average 10-year-old is earning $7.60 and the average 14-year-old is earning $12.05.
0: Okay. So what are the most common ways in which kids earn pocket money?
1: So um, I can give you the, the top five. Um, it'll probably bring back some memories for you. Um, the first one is tidying your room, uh, then emptying the dishwasher, making your bed, doing your homework and brushing your teeth.
0: Those bring back a lot of memories. Um, <laughs> girls, though, you're, you're noticing are often paid more than boys. Why do you think that is? Because it's a bit of a reversal of the gender pay gap, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, this one was a real interesting one for us because, um, like you said, a lot of the the surveys and studies that have been done find that boys are paid more than girls, but it's pretty, you know, we have 300,000 Australian families like all using pocket money and we're seeing a pay gap where girls are paid more than boys. We don't know exactly where it's coming from, but there's a bunch of places that um, we think could be causing this. So it could be that girls' items are more expensive than boys' items. Uh, And so they just need more cash in order to be able to participate in life. Another reason might be, um, so we definitely see that girls are more engaged on Spriggy than the boys. So they're doing like 12% more chores than the boys are doing. So it could be that they're just more engaged and they're actually negotiating more than the boys and getting higher income. Um, Another thing that uh, could be happening is that um, because we've got kids from age 6 to 18, the developmental stages uh, are not equal amongst girls and boys. So it might be that girls are just developing a little bit more quickly than boys and are therefore earning a bit more pocket money.
0: There's also the debate on whether or not kids should be getting pocket money in the first place, right? So what do you see as the value of awarding children pocket money?
1: Well, the real value of pocket money for us at Spree, is the, um, the ability to teach a kid about financial education, but in a really practical way. So if you sit your kid down with like a spreadsheet and they're six years old, they're not going to get it. (laughs) They're not going to care. But if you can give the kid the ability for them to like feel the pride when they earn their own money for the first time by doing a chore or like also really important that you let them feel the pain when they fritter their money away and they don't hit their savings goals because they're not going to do it again. And the value of doing it in a pocket money environment is that it's quite safe. There's like on Spree, we've got all these parental controls. So, you know, you're not going to lose your house or anything. Um, but it gives kids a really practical way to, to learn financial literacy, which is correlated with wealth later in life. The other thing that it's great for uh, is it gives parents the ability to have a conversation about money with their kids that's more organic and natural than, again, like sitting down and talking through a spreadsheet. So, it's a really valuable kind of parenting tool.
0: And, in, and speaking of parenting tools, uh, what are some ways parents can encourage to spend or save, for that matter, their pocket money?
1: Yeah. Um, so we do see in our data that uh, parents are really adapting to their kids' age and their developmental stages. So older kids, for example, have got more savings goals than younger kids because they're more capable of working towards multiple goals at a time. So parents are really, like, adapting to, like, what's their kid interested in? What are they motivated by? What are they capable of? Um, but my favorite one is where uh, kids, where, where you're a parent with multiple kids. They'll set uh, competition so that, like, siblings are competing to see who can save the most or who can do the most jobs. Uh, and that's a way of getting kind of the whole family involved and learning about money and uh, really engaged.
0: Alice Brennan there from Spriggy talking about the, the pros of pocket money. Now to um, more adult money, the Australian share market, the S&P ASX 200 up today 0.3% to 6,800 points. Uh, after the markets closed, we did hear from the UK inflation there, the CPI up to 10.1% from 9.9%. That's a 40-year high. Uh, that data came
2: after this interview I did with Niv Dagen from Peak Asset Management. Ricardo, look, we had Netflix overnight come out with much, much stronger numbers. And also we've had U.S. earnings, specifically the banking sector led by JP Morgan up strongly. So we have seen interest rates rise and that's leading the the general market higher on the back of banking and commodities.
0: How much of the market is still concerned about rising inflation? Because we're seeing in some parts of the world, New Zealand yesterday, where there
2: seems to be some evidence where it may have peaked. Look, it's an interesting topic. I mean, we feel that inflation has peaked and the interest rate revisions will be reduced. So the, the two-year and the 10-year notes are pointing in the US to about 4% in um, interest rate rises. We feel that that's actually going to be downgraded and the pace of interest rates revision will slow down. We saw that with the Reserve Bank of Australia moving only a few weeks ago at 25 basis points when the market was expecting 50 basis points. So that is largely factored in, and we think that there's going to be a sharp rally in equities over coming weeks.
0: Okay, we're seeing a lot of activity in the energy space, whether it being coal, with Whitehaven coal bouncing around a lot today, Origin Energy forecasting and earnings uplift while telling consumers to be uh, uh, or warning consumers of continued high energy prices going into the next couple of years. What's your take on this space?
2: Look, really interesting. I mean, the energy space and the coal sector, has been the, the outperformer um, in the last 12 months. you'd say. I mean, Whitehaven came out with over $3 billion of net profits. We had Origin Energy just recently upgraded. Having said that, the oil price and just having a look at what OPEC's done has actually put a lot of pressure on the oil and gas prices. And we have seen some of the sector come under, under some pressure as there's been a little bit of rotation away from energy, gas and coal into the undervalued companies such as Technology, and the banking sector. So we are seeing a revision at the moment.
0: And your team today attended the inaugural micro-cap conference. Uh, What are they saying about how the economy is performing? And what are these micro-caps saying will be the key trends for 2023?
2: Look, great question. I mean, it is everyone's agenda has been interest rates revisions, inflation, and the impact that has on earnings. We feel that a lot of the downside risk has already factored in. Ricardo, we're very, very bullish commodities as a whole, especially uranium, lithium, and graphite. And we feel there's going to be a sector rotation, as I mentioned before, away from energy and gas and into the banking and technology sector. So we are looking for value across the board. And uh, we feel that 2023 will actually be very, very positive for equities, especially the first quarter next year.